0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? A Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the
0: best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to 100,000 plus a
1: year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at
0: 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us.
1: Triple A heating and air. Debo Samuel will be playing in the Super Bowl. Yes, he will. Congrats uh uh came back
2: full strength yesterday. Big part of uh the 49ers offense. That that was my biggest concern for the 49ers, if he was not on the field yesterday, I didn't have high confidence in them because when he's out there, he's such a Swiss Army knife. And when you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who's just such a next-level mind, when it comes to the offense in the, in the NFL, being able to use him the way that he does, not only as a wide receiver, but out of the backfield, using him in motion, all those kind of things, it, it definitely takes their offense to a different level. When we saw him out with injuries earlier on in the season, and when he got injured the week before in the playoffs, like it changed the way their offense worked. And him being out there for full strength is not the only reason they won the game, but it certainly helped him out.
0: I don't have the number in front of me, but the announcers pointed out the difference in just yards per play for that offense when they have Debo versus when they don't. And it was insane how much difference one guy can make. And, you know, this is not just a situation where we're talking about Debo because he went here. He's from the state, and and everybody here loved watching him play in the Garnet and Black. I mean, he he legitimately means that much for that offense because he can do so much. And you know, I, I think they have they have a lot of weapons within this offense, but he is kind of the guy that I think makes it all click. And then, you know, obviously, Chris McCaffrey, like you can make an argument, he's he's the best player in football that's not like a quarterback. And um, you know, so I I think in terms of just being a playmaker and having two guys, you know, Debo's called a receiver, but he can do running back things. McCaffrey is called a running back but can do receiver things. It it just opens them opens them up to so many different things that they can do. And then throw in the other receivers they have, throw in Kittle at tight end, throw in um one of the most underrated players in the league at fullback. And it's just, uh, they can spread the ball around to so many different places. And and we saw that as they made their comeback down 17. And, um, you know, it probably gets a little bit lost what the lions did and decisions they made versus the Niners just really not panicking and and hanging in there and and doing their thing and and finding a way to win.
2: As a, panthers fan how do you feel about mccaffrey getting to a super bowl with a different team why why'd you do that
0: oh, oh I'm, just, ha- I'm happy well, for him well, honestly <laughs> see, i'm here, happy i'm happy well, for him I, yeah that
2: too. that's an interesting thing because he was obviously a superstar in carolina and just seemed to be spinning his wheels with an organization that was struggling so seeing him go to another place some yeah. fans were like hey i'm happy for the guy excited like when stafford went to la and he won the super bowl like people in detroit were legitimately happy for him it was like hey you did well for our team for so many years. Glad you finally got out and got your chance to go play for a Super Bowl.
0: He deserves so much better than the Panthers. <laughs> he did. It's Honestly, painful too, like man, he, he, he no, did. he deserves so much better than. Like what? What good is it to be a great running back on a team that stinks? Like it, it's not. It doesn't. To me, having a guy like him was. It, it's almost like the cherry on top. It, it was a guy who could help get you over the top. He's really just wasting his main years if he's in Charlotte with that team. You know, stick him on some of those Panthers teams that were good, and you'd probably be a little devastated to see him leave and and see him go do things like that. But, dude, he wouldn't make a difference on this team. He would just be wasting his carries because, as we know, at this point, running backs, you have a limited number of carries you're going to have in your career. And, you know, he runs so hard, man. Like, to be a guy who's not big and – to have the speed he does, like he he gets in there and, and runs between the tackles as well, and so he gets beat up. He got dropped on his head yesterday, and just kind of kept on rolling. But I, yeah, I'm I'm happy for him, man. That's that's a good football team, and I can't help. I tell you who I feel bad for, man. I can't help but feel bad for Lions fans, mm. in that you were just right there. You could taste it, like you your team's up. Everything's going. Everything's going perfect you could taste it and then in the third quarter every single conceivable break went against you
2: mm-hmm. yeah now you got to play all four quarters i had a weird feeling when they were up 24 to 7 at halftime that they were going to find a way to blow it cuz again this is, they hadn't been in this situation 49ers perennially you know in the NFC championship game a lot have been in the super bowl a couple years ago like there's just something about having experience of being in that moment that goes a long way and, yeah, I mean, the Lions shot themselves in the foot for the second half of that game, um, went for it on fourth down a couple times. It was ill-advised, had the fumble, um, just bad mistakes overall, started to abandon the run game as well. Like, it's just, uh, just a complete collapse on their part.
0: Yeah, and I I struggled to put this game into words almost. Like, it, it was just, they just did not play well at all in the third quarter, and every single break went against them. I don't think it's that, like, the natural thing, especially in today's sports world, oh, they choked it away. They they just didn't play well in the third quarter. Like, like sometimes that happens, and, and then, you know, you got the, the best punt I have ever seen in my life oh my that gosh. checks up perfectly, and then you fall into the end zone a half yard too far. Um, even in one of those ensuing drives, they have excellent pressure on Purdy, he somehow gets out of it, rolls against his throwing motion, and I'm like, "Oh, he's just going to throw this ball away." And then there's a uh, was that Kittle that caught it, it on it the side. Use check. It was use check. Yeah. Who is a freaking receiver playing fullback once right. he gets out in the open field? Had as good a footwork as you can possibly have.
2: Yeah, he did that Michael Jackson lean.
0: I mean, that was that was insane. And you're just like, you're like, what is happening? He, like how does this happen to you right. you have a ball go off your face mask and gets battered up and then doesn't just hit the ground the niners receiver who apparently had a ladybug on his foot that day which brought him
2: oh that it was over from there
0: i mean that that completely changed the game that that was the reason <laughs> did you see that interview he said he was a ladybug um <laughs> the lions got upended by a ladybug like i'm getting ticked off just thinking about it and I'm not even remotely a Lions fan at all but you know what I I go back and forth on the fourth down decisions because I think there's really truly two sides of it one side of it is guys this is what the Lions have been all season long Mm -hmm. when you live and die by fourth down it's just like with Lane Kiffin when it works everybody's like, oh, that guy's a riverboat gambler. He's awesome. That's amazing. And when it doesn't work, they say, oh, why don't you take the points? Well, everything they do leading up to those calls is based on the fact they know they're going for it on fourth down. So their first down call, their second down call, their third down call are all different calls than what they would be if they were not going to go for it on fourth down. Now, I do think you have to have a little bit of in-game adjustment. To where I'm up, I'm up fourteen, right? Right. I'm up fourteen. Not that field goals are guaranteed. We we act like they are. Sure. But I'm up by fourteen. The Niners have just worked really, really hard to drive down, just to, to feel like they found some momentum, and they had to kick a field goal to go from seventeen to fourteen. I love aggressive play con. but if you if you just Push it right back to seventeen. Like you're pl- you're playing in in the lead at that point.
2: That was halfway through the third quarter. So then, seventeen point lead, three score advantage at that point in time.
0: Then they have wasted. The Niners feel like we just worked so hard to finally cut it to a two score lead. You you could it would have been just the same as if nobody had scored and you had burned the entire half of the third quarter off. Right. So that that's the one where I'm just like game situation. But it's not – to me it's one of those things where people may be right in what they're saying, but it's for a different reason than I think. Like some people are just saying, well, if you would have had those six points, you lost by three, that means you would have won. To me it doesn't work like that.
1: Well, and there's a bunch. I mean, they went for – it, or they didn't go – they did not go for it on a fourth and three before the half. They kicked the field goal there. They're at the three-yard line. I was kind of surprised. Right. But it puts you up by three scores at that point. It made sense. I point, I point more to the other plays that happened, rather, especially because this, this was, as you said, Wes, it was their character. This is what they do. They get, they're aggressive. They go for it. And they've been really good all year. I mean, I, I point more towards, you know, that touchback, right? And that came after a third-nine drop that would have been a big play. It would have kept your drive going. Maybe they go down and they kick a field goal. Maybe they go down and score. Instead, you punt, you have a 74 yard punt. It ends up being a touchback. And then San Francisco goes down, kicks field goal. They go for it on another fourth down, and Goff was just a little bit, you know, off platform. A little bit of a low throw. Josh Reynolds should have caught it. Gotta catch it. Gotta catch that. The third nine was a worse drop. It's right in it, literally right in his hands. That fourth down, you got to catch that. If that play works, you go, oh, okay. You know, you go forward on fourth down, you're aggressive. I point more to those other ones. Then you got the one, Brock Purdy, bad play. Throws the ball up downfield, goes through a guy's hands off his helmet, AU catches it, and then he's in the end zone. I mean, that those more than the decision to kick a field goal or not, th- those are more. Uh, important to the outcome of the game to me. I think when IU caught that one
2: off his face mask, I think we knew that 49ers to yeah. win the it's game like, well, at that point in time. It's like, yeah. well, football gods are on your side at this point.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, so the, the fourth down at the end of the half, you're also at the very end of the half. So I, I think a lot of times the advantage of going for a fourth down when you're way down there is that you make the opponent start on – If you don't get it, you make your opponent start on their own two or three yard line. Mm -hmm. When you're at the end of half situation, you lose that advantage because the half is ending anyway. So a lot of times we look at it, oh, they got stopped. You go for it, say it's fourth down from the three, you go for it, you get stopped at the two. Right? Oh, man, they got stopped. That's a turnover on downs. But then how many times do you see the opponent go three and out, punt the ball back to you, you take over at the 40 great field position and then you go score in the next sequence. So that I think goes into those the analytics of those decisions as well. This one was end of half so that that advantage yep. was not a factor, but I you know and and even, so you can say well, you got to tie the game. The the final decision they made. At the same time, we don't they may have kicked the field goal and the Niners went right back down the field and scored and won the game. Somebody had to break the tie one way or the other. Sure. They're saying we're going to win the game. We're trying to score as many points as possible as opposed to playing to the score. I respect it. Sometimes you do have to play to the score, though.
2: Yeah, it, it's a double-edged sword, and, and, look, Dan Campbell's going to have to live with that, and we'll see if the Lions can get themselves back into this situation, um, you know, in, in the years to come. But but definitely a, a tough, heartbreaking loss there for the Lions, and we again have the 49ers and the uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl.
1: This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to 100,000 plus a year at Triple A Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company provided take home vehicle and gas card, company provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match, and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana
0: Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when
1: you need us, Triple A Heating and Air. I'd say we're close to being able to announce something. Um, Not quite finalized yet, Uh, been busy with that, been busy with recruiting.
2: Uh, Certainly wish Coach Limbo well, awesome opportunity for him. And um, because of what we've done on special teams uh, and my background with it, we can we did attract a lot of people for this position. So no lack of interest and, and close to having something done for sure. Welcome back in Gamecock Sake Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Morta Beach, Seven The Game Map. And streaming on the Game TV, that was Coach Beamer on Saturday as he spoke to the crowd during the men's basketball game out at Colonial Arena. Got to introduce everybody to some of the new faces of Gamecock football and, as expected, was asked about what's going on with the special teams coordinator um, opening that was left behind by Pete Limbo last week, and while he could not officially comment on it at that point in time, the anticipation, as you guys have been reporting on all week and long, over Gamecock Central is that Joe DiCamillis, the former NFL, longtime NFL special teams coordinator, most recently with the University of Texas this past season as a special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian, is expected to be the special teams coordinator, which I believe we should get something official on that probably later on today,
0: correct? Yeah, BOT meeting 5 o'clock today. News first reported by NFL Networks, Tom Pelissero. I guess that was Saturday morning, and uh, we had, we had heard the name, but it, it broke. I guess kind of from the NFL side of this thing. After not surprising, since Joe DiCamillo spent over thirty years in the NFL as a special teams coordinator, and we've guys we've seen Beamer go this direction when it makes sense. Not not always. Obviously, he had two openings just this month that he he went the kind of Longtime SEC coach route. And so we've seen him go every route imaginable when it comes to hiring coaches. But in this case, it kind of made sense for one, in that we knew there was some familiarity here, in that Joe D was a featured guest at South Carolina's high school coaches' clinic last year. And I really I, re- I want to know, and we're hopefully going to find out what the original connection here is. Um, you know, obviously, something that we've mentioned has been reported on quite a bit, is he is the late, great Dan Reeves' son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Dan Reeves, who, of course, a longtime coach in the NFL, but played at South Carolina. So there's some sort of tangential connections here, but I, I think there maybe are some deeper connections here. I, I don't know if just the special teams community, like do they have a secret meeting of the top special teams guys? I don't know, but if, if you coach in the NFL – 30 years in, you know, the same role at at various places. You win two Super Bowls. You're doing something right. And Beamer clearly wanted to go the route of getting someone who is heavily experienced.
1: Deacon is also a guy. I I don't have any stats in front of me because I'm kind of still running them down. But uh, he likes to call fakes sometimes too. You'll be glad to know. You know, some guys have that oh. reputation. I'll say, well, that's the qualification to be the special teams guy here in yeah, exactly, Carolina. Exactly. Let me see your roll. Let me see your fakes. Like, that's do you have a library or not? But um, he's an interesting personality too. I, I had a a coach, a high school coach, hit me who had actually uh, seen him at the coaches' clinic last spring and just said that he he had one of the better, best presentations he had ever seen and really liked his personality. Obviously, as you said, Wes, he has a ton of experience. And you know, I think. Beamer even mentioned at the basketball game when he spoke with the media the other day that he had some different configurations of what he thought the staff could be. And it was very similar to when he hired Pete Limbo when he was building his initial staff. You know, hey, you, you've got these staff ideas. How are you going to structure it? And you always, you know, most coaches when they're getting a head coaching job, they've got a kind of a two or three deep, I guess you could call it, of here's the guys I'd like to get. Here's my top option at this spot, that spot but also just some different staff configurations. And so we knew Beamer was either, A, going to coach special teams himself, or, B, hire a really, really good special teams coach. But that's a small list to him. You know, with his background, he wasn't going to just, oh, let me just hire a guy to say he's a special teams coach. No, he wanted a a Pete Limbo-type guy. And so he went out and got Pete Limbo. And it was a similar line of thinking this time. He could have said, hey, I'll coach it or we'll whole staff it or something like that, and then, you know, filled a different position on the staff. Um, but he was able to get, I think, the guy that was really his top target here, um, someone with a, a really good reputation and a really good resume. Who do you think among the other guys we heard mentioned was the other interview? I don't know. I was going to ask you if you knew that.
0: Who else did we mention? Stanton <laughs> Weber. Stanton Weber.
1: Stanton Weber, who was an analyst with Pete Limbo here for a couple years and now is at Toledo. Uh, Scott Fountain at Arkansas. He was an analyst at Georgia. He's been a full-time special teams coach other places. He's had actually a lot of different roles in the SEC, but he was on staff with Beamer at Georgia. He was one. There's one more we mentioned, too. You mentioned him. I know. (laughs) What? We'll, we'll but I don't to, know. I, we'll if, have to read Chris's
0: report.
2: Say, you guys are the insiders on
0: this. I'll, I'll round there it was up. W- there was one other name we there, there heard was, there floating was, around. Yeah, there was one I don't name. know who the – so obviously Deacon would be one interview. We just wonder yes. who the other one was. I, I kind of feel like – and I made this point last week. You're kind of trying to replace two roles. And, and we right. still – we do not know is, is Deacon also going to get the associate head coach title – Would that, you know, I I think James Coley would actually be a potential for that as well. But whether he does or not, Limbo brought a certain amount of experience and maturity to that role that you you would have been asking a lot for Stanton Weber to step into that. You know, that I I wouldn't be surprised depending on how things go. If Stanton Weber was one day South Carolina's special teams coordinator, like he was that well thought of from everything I was told during his time here and, and as obviously a limbo disciple, but he's only had one year as special teams coordinator at Toledo. South Carolina put such an emphasis on this. I see why Beamer would consider taking it over himself, but it seems to me like more and more coaches are taking – those roles a lot of times it's an OC or a former OC head coach saying you know what I'm going to go hire an OC we saw that with Drinkwitz we saw that with Ryan Day now you know Hugh Freeze I think was kind of back and forth on calling plays or not calling plays but there's just so much to manage NIL transfer portal roster management you're putting out tiny fires every single day so to actually go put together you know put all this together as well I think that's a lot on a head coach so Now you have someone else. Beamer's still gonna be involved. Sure. But does he have to be? No. If if he has something a given day that supersedes special teams that, hey, I've got to handle this. There's a fire over there's a small fire over here. You have you can let this guy go do everything. And Chris, I'll also say special teams coordinators are sometimes a little bit like strength coaches. They gotta be a little bit Gotta be a little bit just different. A little different. Gotta be loud, high energy. Limbo even Limbo broke the mold a little bit, but if you ever watched limbo, the limbo you saw in the press conferences, very different than the limbo (laughs) we saw out there coaching up special teams, like the world dependent on it, depended on it in practice. So that was one thing I quickly got was from somebody who's worked with Joe D was, I love that guy, and high, high energy. And that he don't, he, the players love him, but he don't
1: take no you-know-what either. Demanding coach. That sounds about right. And I think, too, you know, now that Beamer has, you know, had three seasons of Pete Limbo, and the results speak for themselves, and you can think of so many instances, so many games where special teams played a huge role, and I think for Beamer, that probably validated that decision to, to really lean on that aspect. And, and given how much of a difference it's made for South Carolina, I think going into this process of what do I do with this coaching spot, it seemed very quickly he settled on, hey, if I can go hire a really, really good special teams coach, let's let's take that route because here's what it's done for. It's been a difference maker for them in the past let's continue down that path let's make it an emphasis in the program
2: right and again that board of trustees meeting coming up today at five o'clock to uh, assume finalize the contract for joe de camillus as the special teams coordinator we'll jump over to basketball really quick another big game this past weekend for south carolina taking on missouri at home as they look to continue their run of momentum for the start of conference play so far the season with we'll have-
1: This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at A Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy
0: and Dana Finley at 803 677 1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple air when you need us, Triple A heating and
2: air. Saturday afternoon, as the Gamecock men do improve to 17 3 on the season with a 72 64 win over Missouri uh, out at Colonial Life Arena. And I said this a little bit earlier. I feel like what happened on Saturday was just as important as what happened on Tuesday against Kentucky because it's great if you can defeat a top-ten team at home, have people storming the court and all that kind of stuff. If you go out and lay an egg in the next game, then it's not all for naught, but it certainly hurts your momentum coming away from that. But South Carolina was able to go out there, handle the business on Saturday. Missouri got a little bit of a a strong run to start that second half, but went out there, picked up the 12-point victory, and continued on uh, what's been a very successful start to conference play so far.
0: Yeah, it's, you, you got to take advantage of your your home games, I feel like, in, in SEC play because it is such a deep league. South Carolina obviously had a winnable game at home against Georgia not that long ago and, and let it slip away. And so everybody who's a Gamecock fan, like you've seen this story before. And so I, I think a lot of people were talking about can they avoid a letdown? I think this is an advantage of having a a coach who is just as steady and even kill as you could possibly have, and having veteran players. You know, I think we've seen this maybe within games that they don't really panic. We saw that on Saturday. You know, Missouri made a, a nice little run starting the second half. South Carolina kept doing their thing, pulled away, had a big game for BJ Mack, but it was once again another complete effort from this team and this is Missouri if, if you watch the the game on TV the announcers kept making this point this is a Missouri team that has lost a bunch of games but has managed to hang around in several of these games they lost by six to am um you know Florida pulled away Alabama kind of blew them out but they, they lost a two-point game to South Carolina just uh, you know a couple weeks ago um, lost a fairly tight one to Georgia so that it's not like they've just been getting blown out you knew you were gonna get the best effort from them and South Carolina sort of did what they needed to do and, and found a way to win, which uh, I think, uh, t- to your point, man, it, it wouldn't have erased the win, but it, it you got to win the games that are winnable for you right now because this schedule, not I easy. mean, it does not let up at all if you're South Carolina. So taking advantage of winnable games and sort of on a day where Michi was not himself at all, For other guys to step up, uh, I thought was fantastic. You got two guys with double-digit point totals off the bench. I mean, this team has just continued to build depth and has shown that it it doesn't have to be any one guy.
1: What it has done, the the two wins over Missouri, really, and the rest of the season, South Carolina's avoided the bad loss. Like, if you think about all the different – Seasons where South Carolina missed the tournament, narrowly missed the tournament. There's been, there were some years under Frank Martin where they were bubble teams. And what did we always go back to? Man, if they had not lost these two games that were bad losses, they don't have that on their resume this year. Now we'll see. I mean, they're tracking very, very well mm-hmm. to make the tournament and make it comfortably, but that's right now. And as you said, Wes, they have a very difficult schedule, but they're, you're not going to look back and go, you know, there may end up being too many losses to get the type of positioning that you want. But it won't be because it's a bad loss. You've lost to Clemson on the road in a narrow game. The Georgia loss at home, yeah, that's a tough one. But Georgia's not a bad team. And then you lost to Alabama, who is number one. They're they're at the top of the SEC right now. They didn't have a great non-con start, but they're 6-1 and one in the conference. They're a good basketball team. So... Your three losses, two of them on the road, one at home, but not not to any bad teams. And so, yeah, the the a home loss to Missouri would have been very detrimental. You didn't have that.
2: Yeah, so the latest bracketology, and this was before the game on Saturday, so it needs to be updated for this week. had South Carolina as a nine seed, um, you know, and and again, they've kind of perennially been in, in Leonardi's um, you know mix for making uh, March Madness for a while now, going all the way back to, to early in the non-conference slate. But the one thing people keep asking the question about is, will South Carolina finally get ranked? You would think with beating a team like Kentucky the other night and following that up with a win against Missouri, sitting at 17-3 would be enough to do that. I think we're about an hour or so away from the latest AP poll dropping. Um, if I had to bet, I would say they're probably going to be in the top 25. But, you know, we can always be surprised, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I think they're in. I think they're deserving. also think it doesn't matter whatsoever right now. You you just you keep fighting, keep battling. Doesn't mean a thing. It's something for fans to either cheer about or complain about. But on the court, doesn't matter whatsoever. And, and I don't think this team's going to get caught up in it either. But, but we, we've talked about it. We talked about it last week, how you win a game like South Carolina did against Kentucky. All of a sudden, you're getting talked about a little bit more around campus. You're getting talked about nationally. You're getting talked about on SEC Network. you got to just continue to push all that aside find some, still find some motivation and that nobody picked you. Uh, You know, at the beginning, everybody had you, or the final predictions for SEC media days had you last in the SEC. So you got to keep that chip on your shoulder and keep pushing if you're South Carolina. And, man, a very, very tough test tomorrow going to Tennessee. Uh, Another game where I feel like, not, not that South Carolina has to win it to be vindicated, but... Another game where I think we learn quite a bit about this team, not to go ahead and give them a moral victory, but if they go to Knoxville and compete and don't win the game, but you're just like, man, they held their on, mm-hmm. that would that would actually tell me a lot about this team too.
2: And this was a, a Tennessee team that you played twice a season ago that just completely mowed South Carolina down, beating them by 30-some-odd points um, in both those games. It was just a bad matchup in both games. So, yes, you'd ideally love to go into Knoxville and win the game, but if you can just at least make it competitive and interesting for two halves of, of basketball you can walk out of there still feeling pretty good about yourselves um and again a lot more basketball to play tough tests coming on the road against auburn you got to play tennessee again later on in the season get two games gets old miss like a lot of tough uh, obstacles in the way here for uh, lamont Pearson and company but um where we sit right now 17 and three i think exceeds just about everybody's expectations where we thought they were
1: going to be at i want to i want to take this and Still basketball, but a little different direction. Wes, she commented on this on social over the weekend. What, John Calipari, what is he doing? So he, he had the comments and, and basically just kind of out of nowhere, like brought up the kid, Can't can't didn't even call him by his name. The The kid, Michi Johnson, of course, is who he's referring to. You know, I saw where he went. He had zero points in their game. He didn't go – Didn't score zero against us. I mean, I'm pulling up. I've got stats here. First of all, BJ Max scored eight points against Kentucky. The next game, he scored 21. I mean, Talon Cooper is the one he probably should have pointed to. I mean, Talon scored 12 against Missouri. Right. But he had 20. Off the bench, our guy Morris U. he had 10 against Missouri. He, He had zero against Kentucky. Jacoby Wright. I mean, he he was only three points, you know. Off Stephen Clark scored zero against Missouri. He had three against Kentucky. It, Colin Murray borrell six in, against Kentucky, seven against Missouri. Just a strange thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what point he's trying to make.
0: I mean, I I know what point he was trying to make. It just made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. He's trying to say, oh, they they don't uh, they don't have those off nights against us.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. So yeah. so his defense is bad then. Yeah, for He's one what, a bad job what, coaching. What does that <laughs> say about
0: your defense? And for two, the Michi had fourteen against Kentucky. Yep. Which actually is below his season average. Yes. For, and but is much closer to a standard Michi performance that we're used to than an 0 for nine is. So I, I don't I mean, the the whole thing was just like manufactured, just made up junk yeah. like I, I don't I don't get it and, and if anything three of Michi's 14 against Kentucky was the heave at the end where he's just feeling himself they're running out the clock and yeah. he hits it from as Kendall Walsh said hits it from Russell House so <laughs> I think you know I I don't it, it was a I see it, the point
1: but it was a bad point
2: yeah it's, it's weird we'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central take a row next here on the game
1: This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Their premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians.
0: If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to
1: 100,000 plus a year at Triple A Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company provided take home vehicle and gas card, company provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at
0: 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and
2: air. Uh, This past weekend, very busy on a lot of fronts, especially from the recruiting standpoint, as it was yet another junior day as a long list of potential uh, candidates for South Carolina run campus this past weekend, uh, you know, meeting coach meeting the new coaching staff as uh, the recruitment cycle rolls on.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a, a little bit of a trend there. Some wide receivers getting the chance to come in and meet Coley for the first time. Uh, you know, some local guys, I think we're starting to kind of see the targets for 2025 and 2026 in the state of South Carolina start to emerge Couple of guys that have actually been on campus uh, several times were in as well. Jonte Gilbert, who I don't know, man, that that kid's been here <laughs> over ten times, it feels like. But good list of of prospects that were in over the weekend.
1: Lots of in state guys, like you said. Um, you know the the twenty twenty six class in particular in the state of South Carolina at receiver. You got you know Donovan Murph right down the road at Irmo. Had a really good season catching passes from AJ Brand, who's a 2025 prospect. He was also on campus, uh, a DB for South Carolina, but plays quarterback at the high school level, plays on Irmo's basketball team. And then, you know, Murph has picked up a really nice offer list, had a great season at Irmo as they uh, nearly advanced to the state title game. Of course, South Carolina's lone 2025 commitment right now is Jaden Sellers, Lenore Sellers, Sellers' brother out of West Florence. But, in addition to those guys, you know, other 2026, I mean, you got Jordan Gidron from Ridgeview, you got Jamel Housie from Newberry. So there's several in-state prospects from the 2026 class uh, who were on campus. But there there are plenty of other guys, too. I mean, it was a mix of 2025, 2026 guys. Gilbert's been a really, really fascinating recruitment. The guy that Wes just brought up out of Georgia, four-star safety prospect, former Ohio State commitment. Uh, but he's he's been around to a whole bunch of schools. Very, very familiar with South Carolina. Has a really good bond with and Gray, with Shane Beamer. Clemson's also after him. A bunch of schools are also after him. So we'll see where that one goes. But, yeah, another opportunity. The, the, the recruiting calendar is about to flip to a quiet period where coaches won't be out on the road, but still really busy right now with, you know, past two weekends, prospects coming into Columbia, and the coaches also out on the road as well
2: mentioned uh, Jaden sellers being the one committed for the 2025 class. What's the timetable before you think we might get some more commitments coming in?
0: You know, I I think right now, Tyler, there's it's hard to say I, I don't know that there's anyone that we're just circling as maybe being finished with the recruiting process. A, a lot of times, early on like it is right now for 2025 class, you'll have a commit or two just come out of nowhere. And, and so it won't necessarily be a situation where you're saying, hey, this guy's about to decide, that guy's about to decide. It's more somebody takes a visit, they have a good time, they sort of are like, oh, this is where I want to be, and then boom, they commit. In, in my experience, in my opinion, those guys don't always stick quite as uh, at quite as high of a clip as maybe guys who just wait through the process and sort of say, I know where I want to be, and then I commit when I'm truly ready. So they could come out of nowhere. I I would say in terms of a guy who is following a plan, following a blueprint, a path, I'd maybe say quarterback Ryan Montgomery. And I believe, uh, so this is coming from from his side of things, but uh, I believe Dow Loggins expected there again today to drop in and really has just emerged as South Carolina's top 2025 quarterback target. Lots of mutual interest there. I think that's gone a long way with him and his family that South Carolina is sort of mainly focused on him, whereas these other schools have been focused on multiple quarterbacks. And, you know, he he is going to kind of make a decision of, am I ready to make that final decision or do I need to take another round of visits coming up uh, probably in February? So I I think for for him, once that happens – he I, I feel pretty good about where South Carolina stands. So he he maybe could be your next guy to keep an eye on.
1: And Montgomery's a guy that isn't he planning to maybe go back to Florida on the third of February?
0: Yeah, that's the final that's of the planned visits. Final of the
1: planned visits. And like you said, he could he could say, Hey, let's let's reset this thing. I'm not quite ready. Let's take some more visits, but yeah, that—that's what he told me. It was basically yeah. after these visits, I will decide: am I ready to decide? Am I ready to decide? Or do I take spring visits? You know, Florida sent out another quarterback offer recently too, to a guy named Matt Zoller's out of Pennsylvania.